the cold. Cheers. Cheers to the queers. Cheers to the queers. <laughs> I hear we're going to make that on a t-shirt in summer. <laughs> Uh, this is our third time recording this, I'm just going to say. So we've had many conversations about this. Yes, Jennifer, da-da-da, makes t-shirts. We have t-shirts. Jennifer, you're the best. You make the Cheers coolest the t-shirts. Cheers to the queers. <laughs> now let's talk about this thing with marrying things. Okay, so, well, we had, well, I don't even know how to explain how to get back to it, but we were recording and then we weren't and we got into a conversation about- Well, I had said, okay, I went to Sleater Kinney last week. It was an amazing show and even though it was mine and Amos's anniversary, I said- to Amos, that I would marry Corinne Tucker's voice if I could. Where I had to take it down a really weird road. So I really want to continue this conversation, though. Right okay, now. so I I was bringing up the um, objective sexuality. And basically, I mean, I, I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit. And it was a documentary I watched a while ago. So, I, you know, these aren't maybe these aren't exact facts. Uh, but basically, there's this woman who married the Eiffel Tower. And I mean, consummated it, apparently. So I want to know how she consummated how it. How do you think she did? I mean, I'm not going to really get into specifics, but it was literally like her... How do you... Uh, okay, so, but... So many questions. I mean... Just pick... Imagine what you would do, and that's what she did. Okay, but... um. I, it's not even that part that weirds me out as much as the emotional connection. Like, she was, like, dating her bow, like, the bow and arrow. And, it, but then it got, like, complicated and, like, she, she like, fell out of love with the bow. But it was, like, torrid romance. And it was, like, that's what got me the most is the emotional thing. Like, I mean, I don't know. As far as the consummating goes, it's, yeah, she crawled up on the Eiffel Tower and, you know, but. Okay, but. <laughs> the Eiffel Tower can't consent. It, it, none of it consents. She also hooked up with a fence. A fence. She was with her friend. That's offensive. <laughs> that was so <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad we're recording right now. That was brilliant. You're welcome. Um, so her, she went with her friend to this carnival because her friend was like in love from afar with this carnival ride. And it played this like, this, like German house music. So, it's like, the whole scene was like, it had this German house music in the back, and she saw the ride, and it was a good-looking ride, I'm not gonna lie, it was like all laden and beautiful, it was a good-looking ride. So, she had to go and, and whatever, hang out with the ride, and then the other girl was like, oh, look at that fence. Literally, like a person, like, that fence is hot, and then went over to the fence, and I'm just, the whole time in my mind, I'm like, what is, how is, how is life? What is going on? And it is actually a documentary on YouTube. I'm not making this up. My brain would not make this up. I don't look at me that way. It's I, not me. I'm yelling at you with my face I right know. now. So, yes. So, that um, objective sexuality. Yeah, it's something. And they were... And then it was sad because the other girl was in love with the Twin Towers. Well, you know, what happened there. It's very, I just don't the emotional part, I guess. I mean, the physical part is strange, but the emotional part is like, but I don't know. I mean, buildings don't yell at you. Read all about it. Here, here are your vegetables.
It's the news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. What? No idea. Okay, breaking news. We're All right. just really excited about the news today. We are, we are. Um, let's see. Uh, should I start? Yeah, you start. Okay. Um, start off with a pretty good story. Yeah. All right. Uh, 200 students walk out of school in support of a terrorized lesbian classmate. Terrorized does not sound good. Terrorized does not sound <laughs> good, not. but 200 students in Walking support out. sounds good. Yep. Uh, a lesbian student who was punished and tormented for years by school administration to keep her from having a girlfriend spoke out, and then 200 of her classmates stage a protest to support her. That's bad ass. Right? Today's youth. Youths. Youths. The youths. The youths. The youths of today. The youths of today. Last week, BuzzFeed News published an article about Magali Rodriguez, who was a student for three years at Bishop Memorial High School in Upland, California. Rodriguez said that she had a girlfriend in, when she was in ninth grade. Even though the Catholic school has no official policy about same-sex relationships, she and the girlfriend were taken to the dean's office and told they couldn't be together. Disgusting. The dean told the girls that they couldn't sit together at lunch, be near each other during their breaks, or otherwise pursue a relationship on school grounds, even though public displays of affections among straight couples at the school are common. They were also told that they have to have regular meetings with the dean and school psychologist. What? Right? Stay in your lane. Seriously. Mind your business. If they didn't agree, the dean allegedly threatened to out them to their parents. They were scared and they agreed. For the next two years, they were followed by teachers, told they were going to hell, and made to dread school and feel anxious while there. Well, that just doesn't sound awful at all. That school sucks. I love the idea of being chased around the halls by teachers telling me I'm going to hell. <laughs> You're going to hell! You're going to hell! Seriously, like, what? How bad can you like make your image of Catholic school be? Than I that? know, right? I mean, honestly, what kind of person are you that you're chasing somebody around the school anyway? You're going to That's hell, right? young lady. I know. So Rodriguez eventually wrote a letter to her parents in which she came out and explained what had been happening. Her father said it sounded like a suicide letter. She was put in another local high school. So if, if they moved her for the right reasons, then that's good. Yeah. Yeah, get her the hell out of that environment. Oh, yeah. Shortly after the article came out, students at the school decided they had to make a statement. On Friday, about 200 students staged a walkout. I never would have imagined a Mott to be an environment like this, said one student who didn't want to be named. Once I started to read about the article, I was in full shock. I decided to walk out and stand up for her. The student said that the principal made an announcement before lunch on Friday acknowledging the article. I feel as if the principal knew they messed up, the student said. The school offered counseling services in the library for students who had questions. Doesn't sound safe at all, if you ask me. No, that does not sound no. like a safe environment. After lunch, the students walked out. Another student said the teachers were there and they supervised, but they didn't stop the students from oh, protesting. Oh, the same teachers that were chasing people down the <laughs> hallway? Right. You're going to hell! You're going to hell! I decided I wanted to walk out, um, and I decided I wanted to take a stand, a second unnamed student said. I didn't agree with what the administration did with this situation, and I feel like it was a good idea for the student body to stand up and show our support for Magali. That's cool. Yep. Another student said that Rodriguez is kind and didn't deserve to be treated like she was by the administration. Um, during the protest, the students chanted and held a prayer. Some of the students called Rodriguez on FaceTime. Oh, that's sweet. That is cute. And now that they have group FaceTime, you can maybe... Different set, different story. Um, <laughs> stop. Before the protest, the school said in a statement that Rodriguez's story was not entirely accurate, but did not explain further. Of course, they citing did. privacy laws. Oddly, the school pointed to its non-discrimination statement, which does not include sexual discrimination. We don't discriminate. See, we have a discrimination statement. 
Uh, Bishop Amat High School is committed to providing a supportive and inclusive learning environment for all students, irrespective of their sexual orientation, the statement says. Bullshit. Adding that the school complies with the accepted teachings of the Catholic Church, which are, the, are that same-sex relationships are sinful because they are not open to procreation and that gays and lesbians should practice chastity. Stay in your lane. Mind your business. We do what we want. I don't even know. Yeah. So, pretty terrible. Just awful. And, you know... But awesome that the students were there in support of her. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to thank the youths. The youths. The youths. Thanks, youths. The youths are, I mean, really, it's cool though. I mean, it's cool how, like, um, you know, how progressive oh, the, absolutely. the youths have become. The um, youths. Uh, speaking of, okay, Boomer, back to a terrible story. I'm going to finish this out. It's Great. Here. Father kills 14-year-old son in Nevada. He would rather have a dead son than a gay son. Fuck. This is so bothersome and sad. A father in Henderson, Nevada, shot and killed his 14-year-old gay son with police attributing the killing in part to the boy's sexual orientation. What the fuck, dude? Nevada police reported that the 53-year-old Wendell Melton shot and killed his son, Giovanni, in the morning of November 2nd. And he's beautiful, too. Giovanni was. People close to the murder victim include Sonia Jones, Giovanni's former foster mom, says part of the argument leading to the shooting was about the teen's sexual orientation. Jones told Channel 3 News he hated the fact that his son was gay. Giovanni was abused physically, mentally, and spiritually for many, many years. I'm sure that inside of his mind, he would rather have a dead son than a gay son, she said. Oh. I'm hearing his dad had caught him with his boyfriend and pulled out a gun, pulled a gun on him, said Jones. Giovanni was a student at Coronado High School. Jones Wait, so he caught him with his boyfriend and he pulled a gun? Yeah. What the I fuck, know. dude? Like kick him kick him out. I mean it's horrible anyway, but you know, I lived in Las Vegas and um, Henderson is actually it's it's a great community right next to it. And Las Vegas has a, such an awesome queer community. I he would have been he would have been okay. You know, he'd been welcome. He would have been okay. He would have thrived in that community. Like oh, it's poor baby it sucks. Yeah. Um, I hope they throw the book at him. I hope he never sees the light of day. Said Jones. I hope every day when he looks in the mirror, he sees the sun's face. Wendell Melton told police that he accidentally shot him during an argument and was in fear for his life, but please doubt his story. So he was, wait, he's he, trying to yes. say he was in fear of his life. Yes. For his life. He was in fear for his life because Giovanni was, like I mean, it's just so ridiculous at this point, and it's disgusting. And I'm, I'm not only sad. doesn't he have the fucking courage to take responsibility for his actions, but he's trying to blame his kid yep. that he fucking murdered because he was gay. Yep, homophobia kills, folks. That's Absolutely. the lesson for today. All right. So, following up on last week's elections episode, um, and. In spite of the sad article that I posted on our Facebook page, which was talking about the fact that only one out of five LGBTQ people who are eligible to vote are registered to vote, which is dismal. Sad. Dismal. Sad. Dismal. Sad. Get it together. We need representation. And if we don't vote, we don't get representation. If we don't have representation, we don't have a voice at the table. And a voice at the table means... That our issues are taken seriously. Oh, I didn't know if you were going to answer it. <laughs> yes. It just means get out there. To, what are you doing? Get out there. Register. Oh. But happily, in spite of our community's lack of engagement, <laughs> we had a rainbow wave on Tuesday. Excellent. Uh, apparently, over 100 openly LGBTQ candidates 
uh, one in political races across the United States statewide and or like local election municipalities and stuff like that. Uh, 83 of the winners declared uh, so far, this was an old article now at this point, but were endorsed by the LGBTQ Victory Fund, victories in 73 local elections, five state legislative races, four mayoral elections, and one judicial race, making November 5th, 2019 a, a historic occasion. Awesome. Uh, Tuesday's results added to those of elections earlier in the year, at least 145 out candidates have won office this year, the most ever in an odd numbered election year. A total of 382 out candidates have run for office this year. Among the out candidates, more men ran than women in the year, but women had a higher rate of success with 46.2% of women winning and 36.9% of men. The winners have included a diverse mix of gay men, lesbians, bisexuals, pansexuals, transgender people, and those identifying as queer. Awesome. So that's just some really great news. And congratulations to all of the uh, LGBTQ people yeah. out there who ran and didn't win, like our dearest friend, Ro. Yeah, thank you for doing that, though. I mean, thank you for trying to get, yeah. get a, you know, trying to uh, keep our place at the table. Exactly. Getting out there and making some change is awesome. Yep. And then my second news story um, is about sex reassignment surgery. According to a new Swedish study, it suggests that there are long-term mental health benefits to having gender-confirming surgery if you're a trans person. Excellent. Not surprising. No, nope, not at all. But um, now we have science to back us up here at least a little bit. Um According to the article, when transgender people undergo sex reassignment surgery, the beneficial effect on their mental health is evident and increasing even years later. Overall, people in the study with gender incongruence, that is, their biological gender doesn't match the gender with which they identify. I think it would have been better worded if the gender that they were assigned at birth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, la, 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 la. They were six times more likely than people in the general population to visit a doctor for mood and anxiety disorders. Also three times more likely to be prescribed antidepressants and six times more likely to be hospitalized after a suicide attempt. But among those who had undergone gender uh, confirming surgery, um, the longer their, the longer ago their surgery was, the less likely they were to suffer anxiety, depression, or suicidal behavior during the study period. Um, many trans and gender non-conforming individuals find comfort with their gender identity role and expression without surgery, but for others, surgery is essential and medically necessary to alleviate their gender dysphoria. While the new study confirms that trans individuals are more likely to use mental health treatments, it also shows that gender affirming therapy might reduce the risks. Uh, just over 70% of people with gender incongruence receive feminizing or masculinizing hormones to modify outward sexual features such as breasts, body fat distribution, and facial hair. And 48% had undergone gender affirming surgery. Nearly all of those who had the surgery also received hormone therapy. The benefit of the hormone therapy did not increase with time, but increased time since the last gender affirming surgery was associated with fewer mental health treatments. Oh, that's interesting. In fact, they note the likelihood of being treated for a mood or anxiety disorder was reduced by 8% for each year since the last gender affirming surgery for up to 10 years. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So that's some good news. I mean, yeah. 
we've, we're getting some science to back up the things that we're, we've been saying for, forever. And forever. We already, so, yeah, yeah exactly. no. So, um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, thumbs your vegetables. Oh, I like it. All right. Later on, crouton. <laughs> Yay! Hey, Nicole, come here. Yes. Get really close to me. Why? Get really close to the microphone. <laughs> Why? What are you going to do? Let's queer bait. Oh. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. I think you're starting to understand what queer baiting is. <laughs> Our episode today is queer baiting. Oh, queer baiting. Queer baiting. She obviously doesn't not understand it, but doesn't. I was queer baiting the audience with this microphone, except you can't see me right now, so you don't know how close we are. So what do you think queer baiting is? And how we're looking longingly at each other, and then we're going to pull away and never kiss. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot of things. I mean, No, it's funny. It's, you Actually, know, you do have the right handle on it. I yeah. just didn't know if you had the right idea of what it was, but okay. Yeah. Um, well, we talked about it before. You were a little, you were a little curious. You didn't quite, you hadn't really heard the term too much. I hadn't heard the no. term prior to you saying, "Hey, let's do an episode on queer baiting." Yes, because queer baiting is the worst. It is the worst now that I know what it it's, is. It, it in some circumstances, it was kind of the best because, as we will get into, that's all we had before. You know, like mm -hmm. you had to, and now there's so much. A whole other part of this episode we really have to talk about is fan fiction. Yeah. Have you read any of it? No, but. I mean, well, I've read fan fiction, yes. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah, you're super nerdy. You like Star Trek and Star Wars and stuff, right? Yeah. So there's... Yeah, there's fan fiction for everything. A lot of fan fiction for that. Yeah. 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 Actually, I did find... So my favorite my favorite book in the world is when I was a teenager, I wrote these, read these books, this book series. Um, it was called Boyfriends and Girlfriends by <laughs> Catherine Applegate. And I don't know why I found it, but I did find fan fiction on it like two nights ago. No shit. I swear to God. And I read them all in a second. Yeah. Were you thinking of maybe starting your own? Uh, oh my God. That's an option. You should. I don't write really well, like in stories and stuff, but I mean, I could try. I have some ideas where that book could go. There are, 29, there are 28 of the books. I think with fan fiction, you don't need to write very no. well. I mean, I think that's sort of the thing. You know, it's like, I mean, some people are better at it than others. Sure, yeah. And But I think that's sort of the thing. You know, it's, it's fun for everybody to get in on. And, you know, yeah. even if you don't write super well, you can still have a great idea. Yeah, okay. So, um, Zoe Passmore fan fiction. I'm going to get into it. Um uh, Ooh, what would your uh, your uh, pen name be? <laughs> I'd have to think on that for a minute, yeah. Because I, I don't know. Would you become um, a cunning linguist? Oh, my God. No, I wouldn't. That, even <laughs> saying that, that makes me stumble with Does my words. Does that make you a little uncomfortable? A little bit, yeah. Um, you In the last three minutes, you have managed to make me uncomfortable seven times. So um, It's a gift. We're doing well. We're doing well. But anyway, so, yes, today we were talking about queer baiting fan fiction, all of it, because it's a thing, and it's a huge thing now. And again, what we were talking about earlier with the Utes, I I mean, they're queer, there's queer representation now, but people are still, like, showrunners are still queer baiting. Yeah. 
Yeah, Syzygy's eating in the background. Don't, yes. don't let that bother you. <laughs> there is a cat eating in the background, and the cat is adorable, so it's fine. Okay, so... Well, he's um, also editing our work, so, I mean, he's multitasking. Well, is he eating one bite at a time? He's incredibly, incredibly talented. Incredibly talented. Syzygy. Yeah, okay. yeah. Syzygy, you are... You're the king. Syzygy is the king. Yeah, yeah. All right, so do you want to start? Give us a little background. Yes. Yes. The least, the less interesting part? Go ahead. Yeah. The less interesting part. That's me. Oh, no. You're so interesting. Anyway, go ahead. I wasn't fishing for a compliment, but thanks. You caught one. <laughs> it was a whopper, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is wrong with us today? Okay. So queer baiting is a term used to describe the perceived attempt by advertisers or canon creators to draw in a queer audience and or slash fans by implying or hinting at a gay relationship that will never actually be depicted. Queer baiting is often, but not always, applied to television and film. In a film and television series, this is done either by introducing a character whose sexuality seems to be coded as something other than 100% heterosexual, or by indicating, be it ever so slightly, that two same-sex characters might possibly be attracted to each other. It can also involve the suggestion of a romantic or sexual interest between two characters of the same gender without making it outright canon. I don't Do know. you know canon? I'll explain that to you after. Because it's actually a pretty important term here. And okay. I had no clue what it was, so I had to look it up. I would imagine like the body of work. Yeah. Okay. So canon is like the actual work. Like yeah. What, yeah. Okay. So you do. You do get it. I had no clue what it was. I was why did I keep saying this word? But um, yeah. Are they blowing things up? I, I know. That's <laughs> kind of how I talk, too. Like, they're like bombs um but or is it that they're just that bomb diggity oh stop it i'm not that bad but yeah canon is is the original body of work okay so like the canon universe they're using like like you know superhero films and stuff or whatever so uh it can backfire against quote-unquote the powers that be when queer baiting is paired with the no homo trope um, where it's seeming, where a seemingly intimate exchange between characters is immediately followed by an, of course we're not gay joke, you know, yeah, like two guys absolutely. hugging and the no homo, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the term encompasses the disappointment and betrayal felt by fans when the canon retreats from that early perceived position of queer inclusion and clearly marks the sexually, sexually ambiguous character as straight. A fan describes the initial experience of the queer audience member this way. They introduce a character that people can relate to. They use the details and feelings common to queer people's lives to make it very obvious to anyone who's queer that the character is also queer. They know that because there's very little queer representation in media. Queer people are going to latch onto this character and therefore latch on to the series. The term was originally used by politicians and had a similar meaning meaning to race baiting, bringing up details of an opponent's orientation as a way of attacking them. The current meaning was created in 1990s academic queer theorists and popularized by Tumblr users in the early 20s and teens. So this is interesting to me, the queer baiting that's mm -hmm. originally used by politicians and stuff, because it still happens like crazy. Uh, um, just like a little side note. I'm interested. Note here. So uh, last week, some right-wing guy went and have you seen the the big inflatable of Trump baby Trump? Yes, yes. That's been flying over all different kinds of cities. Sure. Well, some right wing guy decided he was going to go and pop that. Yeah. Pop yeah, that balloon. Yeah, I saw that. So he went and popped that balloon. 
and, you know, creating, making himself a hero amongst the right and a villain amongst the left. And so now I've just, in, on Twitter, I've seen a lot of this, I don't know if it's a video because I haven't actually clicked on it because I just, it, it irritates me. And it's, um, I don't know if it's a video or a picture of this guy who popped the balloon mm -hmm. and he's wearing garters and stockings and heels. And it's somehow supposed to make him seem like he's less less right wingy or yeah. something because he's wearing I don't know, but it's you know it, essentially it's like this is just not the way we Queer, need to take this guy down. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like by oh, I shaming see. him or by try by the attempt to shame him because he's wearing these Yeah. Okay. Clothes. I mean it's not exactly queer baiting, but it's sort of queer baiting in that sense of like it's demonizing somebody's gender expression. I guess it's it's the it's the sort of inverse or converse. Maybe it's the effective queer baiting as opposed to the actual baiting. Like it cut does kind of demonize and it does make it out like it's like, yeah, so you're starting to understand it. You don't quite well, get hey, listen. <laughs> if it was originally, if it was originally a right-wing tool, po political tool, as yeah. opposed to a thing, I think yeah. that's exactly what we're talking well, about. Well, and I think you're definitely more versed in that. Where I'm like, no, no, no. I'm talking about like what's going on, on TV right now. But you're like, you're right. So it's probably where it comes from and the origin. Like, so it's rooted in something way worse. Then the will they won't they on TV. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Right. I mean, this is definitely not a will he won't he or it's like who cares? Yeah. Um, but it's definitely using somebody's gender expression in this particular instance. Sure. As sort of a, a weapon as opposed to Okay. Yeah. You know, to sort of somehow make discredit him in some mm -hmm. way because he wears garters and, and stuff. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, he's that's somehow discredited, which would be enough to discredit him among the right wing. Like, right. I mean, surely, but yeah, I guess it's not queer baiting. No, anyway. not at all. <laughs> it's a really interesting story though. And I'm glad that you, we talked about it, but it's definitely not queer baiting. Oh, you suck it. No, I adore you. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so queer coding or coding <laughs> Our behavior is intended to identify character as being a particular type. It's an integral part of theater worldwide. In Anglo-European drama, it goes back to the ancient Greek theater. Nuances in costume, body positions and gestures and vocal tone, along with theatrical subtext, serve to tell the audience the character's background and personality. By the late 19th century and into the 20s and 30s, film acting techniques were being developed and what we think of as, quote unquote, homosexual as a socially identified continue, continued to evolve. Social identity. Social identity. Yeah, yeah I read that wrong. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Male theatrical and film characters were supposed to be gay, who were supposed to be gay, were often campy or flaming. Known as pansy types in those days, they might be a little fussy, effeminate, have a streak of lavender, if you will, use limp-wristed gestures and lace handkerchiefs, and, as sound came in, speak in expressive, often high-pitched tones. Parts of this was done so that the audience would understand a character was gay without running afoul of the... Uh, the Hayes Code that we Which talked we about, talked about in, uh, a couple in, episodes ago. Yeah, in the yeah. Halloween episode. Um, formerly, characters who seemed queer often proved to be straight as a way of sending a message to the audience not to judge queerness solely by appearance and behavior. Another character who seemed to fit all the stereotypes of a straight man, quote unquote, 
might then turn out to be gay, as the dominant American culture acknowledges that gay people exist and the changing cultural image of a, who a gay person is, sympathetic gay characters have become more and more numerous and are often coded more realistically. Today's viewers have come to expect to see gay people actually having relationships and not just being identified as gay. Uh -huh. But like queer characters, queer viewers are a minority and it's thought that queer baiting is a way of appealing to queer audiences without alienating straight audiences who might be a little uncomfortable with openly queer characters <laughs> or just may not care. Well, I don't really care about straight relationships. There are so many. God, it's like they're just all, every show has a straight couple. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. No, I mean, that's essentially it. I mean, they're basically saying that, you know, by writing queer baiting scenes, these Hollywood producers and directors are able to walk that line and keep their mm -hmm. straight audience and keep their gay audience without actually ever having queer characters. You know, that's where I think the, the importance of language comes in and these new words, um, along with the word yeet, queer baiting is one of my favorite words now. Yeet means like throw something I really like, like a yeet? I yeeted her, like threw somebody. Never mind. It's something the utes like. Yeet. Yeet the utes. Anyway, um... <laughs> That's yeet. No, it's not. You don't get It's not yeet. No, yeet is it's a verb. It's to toss something. Like to yeet your cat on the bed. I'm never going to yeet my cat. I'm, I might eat my cat, but I'm oh not my yeeting God. my cat. <laughs> yeet is, it's, anyway. So, but queer baiting, it gives, I love that it, like, <laughs> queer baiting is, a, is good because it, it gives, you know, a definite, like a, a word to explain what we're feeling. Like, and again, I think like, Queer baiting, I, like, I don't know exactly when it started, but, like, watching TV when I was younger, you know, you try to find, maybe even, like, subconsciously try to find, like, queer subtext in, in any story. And I don't know if they did it as much or when we were younger, we were just looking for it more. But um, it was a thing, but now it's a thing. Now, like, like you know, again, producers, directors, they're actually, like, editing these cuts and previews to make it seem like they're a queer relationship is going to happen. Yeah. And then they don't. And it's just, it's so bananas to me. Like, um, when we started talking about this, I, I guess, um, the first thing I ever really read about was, uh, cause I'm pretty new to this too, but was killing Eve. And I love killing Eve. I think it's a brilliant show, but I read this whole article. Um, I mean, I've heard queer baiting before, but I really thought too much about it. And then about how that it's like the ultimate queer baiters. Like there was literally a, 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 not a preview, but like, um, you know, when they show like a picture of the two characters, or like a Pope, not a poster. I don't know. You know, like an ad yeah. that said like something along the lines of like, everything's the, going to change. Will the villain and will the villain and Victor become a couple? Like literally it just basically said that. And again, in the show, um, Sandra O's character is married to a man. Like is they, that Killing Eve? Yes, okay. in Killing Eve. And so they they do have they start to have a, it seems like a little bit of a relationship, but I, I don't want to give any like spoilers, but I mean like bad stuff happens. So it's really just set up to be a kind of uh cat and mouse game between like a somebody who works in, you know, as a in the capacity of like a, an agent and then a villain. So that's really all the relationship is, but they do this whole, like, 
And I mean, it got to the point where it's like, it's, it's hard to ignore now. And another one that's really, really, really well, like, in what, so what are they, what are they doing though? I mean, other than the, like the teaser, like, are they doing it like during the show as well? Yes, absolutely. They are. Again, I don't want to, I really don't want to give spoilers because Killing Eve is something, you know, every, I mean, you still should watch it. It's a really good show, but like, I mean, they, it's, it's kind of, it give comes, me an example of like a scene. You don't have to give anything away in terms of plot. Okay, well, um, they there is a scene where they were about to physically embrace, and that one character chooses that you know the the actual context of their relationship is that of somebody tracking down a you know a, an agent tracking down a criminal and chooses to see i'm already giving spoilers but basically <laughs> choose, don't don't if you're gonna watch killing you don't listen to this basically they're laying in bed together and she is like we're not gonna hook up i'm gonna stab you <laughs> like it literally yeah no i mean the things happen that's where it's just killer, I would it imagine. is and i mean that's it's it's a pretty i know are both of the characters straight no i would say um that uh, Jodie Comer's character is definitely not straight, but Sandra O's. I mean, I don't know that she's exactly straight, but she is married to a man and mm-hmm. in a committed heterosexual partnership. Right. right. Um, so that's kind of one show that's tossed around a lot. That's the first article I really read about it. And then another one that is really bad uh, that really they seem to queerbait a lot is um, Supergirl. Yeah, I read that a lot when I was doing my little yeah. Bit of research. Yeah, that's one where like Killing Eve is so brilliantly written, and I maybe they're not going to be queer baiting all. You know, it's only on the second season, but Supergirl is actually like the textbook definition of queer baiting, where they put two characters in moments together, and they just the way they look at each other and they laugh and touch the little touches and the lingering touches, and you know, like when you're the rub on a shoulder, like, you yeah. know, in, 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 in a conversation and, but they're both heterosexual. And then they all of a sudden have, they'll put one of them with a male partner. And it's yeah. just, it's so out of, it just doesn't even match like the partnerships that they've made in Supergirl with like, uh, you know, um, all of a sudden giving one of them a boyfriend that it doesn't even make as much sense. It's like, they're really just doing it just to say like, no, they're not together, but we want to like, you know, there's so many people that are, are passionate about this, like, ship, which is, like, shipping them. Do you, you know what I'm talking about there? No. Like, ship basically means to, like, um, so let's say you have any two characters on a show and you would like to see them together. It's you ship them. And I'm teaching you all of this news. Wow. This, you ship them where? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even... What are we even talking about? I feel like I'm, I i don't even know this stuff I'm that ready well. to marry the Eiffel Tower. That's all. <laughs> I ship it. Done. I'm shipping it. No, you don't know. Shipping isn't a physical thing. Oh, yeet. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Oh, this is, I can't even get through this. Um, <laughs> trying to explain this to you. Are you a boomer? Jesus. Evie? So, no, it's not like... <laughs> you don't physically ship them somewhere. You um, you support their relationship. It's just, it's, Ship is another word for support. Yeet is another word for throw. You got it? So I'm going <laughs> to yeet my ship at you. No. You're, okay, yeah. I'm going to throw I, my support at you. 
Okay, that's perfect. Thank you. But it's, but ship is more. Okay, we need some mutes on here to help us explain this because I'm not explaining it well. <laughs> we can't even get through it because I can't. That's such a complicated. So shipping is a way of like ship my yeet. No, shipping is a way of like yeet my ship. Putting two people together, and there are very people that are very passionate about that. You know that uh, Supergirl and the other one as yeah. being together. So passionate, in fact, they're like hashtags and everything. And and obviously, there's loads of fan fiction and stuff like that. Um, uh-huh. I haven't gone that far. It's not really something I care about that much to read. Yeah. But I understand when you're a young person and you're trying to see something in it. Yeah. In two characters and you want it to happen. You know that gives representation. you representation. Exactly. So representation is it, what it really comes down to is lack of representation. Um, another one that was really a a big thing was um, once upon a time. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I never watched that. No, neither did I. Really. I mean, I did. I did watch it here and there, but um, because all the things that appeal to me, I just never kind of got around to it. So yeah, well, that's a um, they're um, notorious for it. Oh. The the queen and the like heroine of the show. I guess they have this kind of like. So is queer baiting? Do you think that queer baiting is more prevalent amongst? Uh, female appearing characters or male appearing characters not at all or it's definitely popular among male appearing characters um i just quite frankly i don't want to say that i don't care about it but i don't see it as much because i don't think about it as much um so some examples are uh in the show merlin arthur pendragon Mm -hmm. and merlin that seems like something you'd watch that's super nerdy i love that show um riverdale which is complete that show is just bananas anyway. I don't even know what they're doing there. Betty Cooper and Veronica Lodge, which actually I don't really agree with. I don't think they, they've always been really like um, upfront about the, the pairings there, the relationships. And they've always been primarily straight. They did do like a faux lesbian kiss in the first episode, uh-huh. but that was, I don't know. You know, it wasn't, it didn't but set well, it up as. I would say that's still queer baiting. I mean, if, it, if it's. It, it absolutely is in the beginning. But I'm saying now, like, the show isn't as notorious for, like, still putting it out there gotcha. that it could happen. That's the big thing. It's like, it could happen, you know? Um, uh, Rizzoli and Isles, that was, like, a huge, huge. Um, because I, apparently, I didn't watch that show either, but no, they me were. Neither they had that chemistry, you know, it's also the chemistry too, Yeah. which it could not, maybe not the showrunner's fault, but the showrunner's not helping it when it's so tricky. Cause I don't know, what do you do? But the showrunner's not helping it when they promote it as a queer relationship, but then give them just heterosexual partners. So, right. Right. Um, uh, Castle and Dean, um, Winchester and supernatural. That's another one that was really big. Um, okay. and it was on, uh, don't, this isn't facts here, but I swear to God, it was on for like 47 seasons or something. And it was on for like 16 years. So I don't know. That's a long time that for all day. Um, Supernatural. Oh, I didn't watch it. I but didn't see it, yeah. We don't really watch anything, do we? <laughs> um, so those are just, yeah. So some some examples. Um, and then also like it, it comes through in other ways too. Like um, uh, are you a huge Ariana Grande fan? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, one of her music videos uh, oh, oh, last year was um, it was basically the song, like, Break Up With Your Boyfriend, I'm Bored. But it was essentially, it came down to it was a song about her her wanting her boyfriend to break up with her because she's bored. But they, she did this whole video thing where it looked like she was kissing a girl. Queer baiting? Yep. And it was queer baiting. So it's kind of, uh, it's really popular now. 
Which is, which is interesting because she has a gay brother. Yeah. Well, you know, they could still be queer baiters. Yeah, 100%. Just like gay people can be homophobic. Absolutely. Internalized homophobic. Mm-hmm. Internalized queer baiting. So stop doing that. It's annoying. <laughs> I'm internalizing my queer baiting. Uh, <laughs> yeet that homophobia. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so, okay. Um, so I have some questions. Sure. Um, but maybe we should go to a break really quick. Okay. Think about your questions and I'll think about my answers. Okay. All right. Be right back. Another thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit, um, going back to Supergirl, uh, was what happened at Comic-Con a few years ago. Okay. Um, they were at the San Diego Comic-Con and, um. Who was they? The Supergirl cast. I apologize. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, you know, that being a DC show, yeah. Comic-Con is, you know, they, they go there and answer questions from, get interviewed. I don't know much about Comic-Con, you know what it is, but, um, they were there and the person who was interviewing brought up the relationship between Supergirl, um, also known as Kara Danvers. That's the character and, um, Lena Luthor. Okay. And Lex Luthor's daughter. Look at you. You, that, that's actually a thing I know, and you know, wow. <laughs> wow. We're, we're, we're like in the know. We really are. Okay. Breaking so, news, in the know, all about the ships and if you Ships, yeats, if you want to learn about comic cons or comic books or whatever, come to us. Yeah, slash fans all the way. All right. Um. Anyway, so they were talking with the, the, the person who was interviewing brought the relationship up, and the whole cast kind of, it's, you have to watch it because it's about 10 minutes long. So, uh-huh. um, but Kara like kind of implied like, Oh, you know, I've been in shows before where it really did seem like two, you know, that they were going to be kind of um, put together at some point, there would be a relationship, but I didn't see this with this and I didn't see it happening. So she was kind of like playing a little like obtuse and um, uh, the woman who played um, uh Lena. Lena. She was, she actually sat back on it a little bit. She didn't say much. You could tell she was a little uncomfortable with the way the conversation was going. And they all kind of started joking about it. And then um, uh, somehow the conversation like turned a little bit and they started talking a little bit more about what's going on in the next season. I believe the next season was going to be season three. And uh, the person who was doing the interviewing said, mentioned something along the lines of like, oh, well, you should um, give us a little preview in song. Like all in jest, like kind of a joke. And okay. um, uh, one of the one of the guys who's in the show, um, uh, Jeremy Jordan, he's a Broadway performer, and he's uh, was like kind of started it off. So they started like previewing, you know, season three. And in the song, in the middle of the song, he basically like blew away any idea of like super core ever happening and he was like they're just friends they're just gonna be friends and like played it off his whole joke and they were all laughing well apparently it came across as like slightly homophobic yeah and it was kind of gross and you watch it like it is a little like and you can tell there are a couple people that weren't like super comfortable with like the woman who plays lena luther she was like sitting back a little bit and and i mean she went along with it as much but you could tell there are a few people that were like and even at the end of it jeremy jordan was like i am gonna be destroyed for that and he like he knew because he totally like they were all laughing and joking. And the worst part is, so another problem with this show is that they have a male character that is um they ended that ended up with uh, Supergirl, and he's a really abusive kind of awful character. He came from like the slave owning world and yada yada. And they still put them together, and he's like right next to her on the couch during the song, and they're all joking. And it just seemed like this kind of moment of like making fun of like 
queer fans and queer stories. Yeah. yeah, so they were kind of in like hot water over it. So you guys should check that out. Definitely. Take a look at it. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting, but kind of gross. And I mean, again, it, it certainly wasn't like Jeremy Jordan is actually he's a pretty brilliant Broadway actor. And in, I don't know. I don't know, like completely if it was homophobic, it was kind of all in like, well, I mean, it's just definitely it really speaks to the privilege of straight people and it, representation in whatever capacity, you know, in terms of this being a TV show, you know, I mean, they've mm -hmm. got plenty of representation there and we're going to make fun of you queer people for, and that's exactly what everybody said. I mean, they did tear him apart. Yeah. He was, and then he apologized in this like half-assed shitty apology. And then oh, again, I'm sorry you were offended. It, it, yes. And he's like, I'm the last person to be homophobic. And that kind you, of, dude. Yeah. so yeah. And that's why Jeremy Jordan, I'm just kind of like, eh. um, but I, I was really surprised because, I mean, you could definitely tell the people who weren't comfortable with it. And I thought that was like, okay. But then the people that were like, um, uh, Melissa Benoist, she's the one who plays Kara Danvers. Like she was just singing and whatever. And she's engaged to the guy who ends up being her male love star, like oh. in real life. And it was just all this like gross, straight, like, you know, privilege just right on screen. They were all laughing about it and. I don't know. It's just real. All that of, heterosexuality it's, on no, display. It's just, uh, it's just a real turnoff because it was kind of like, that's, you know, there's so many people that look up to you know, this. No, listen, and, straight people. I don't care what you do in the privacy of your own bedroom, but if I have to see it, ugh. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that's what I really, I really wanted to talk about that a bit because sometimes it's really hard to like exactly explain why something is wrong and why it feels bad but but it just does feel bad yeah. and that situation was a, that was a perfect example of that and again like I said that's why I love having words that actually represent these things like queer baiting and stuff because it's hard to like exactly say what it is and what's wrong with it yeah well it's like okay so when I used to do the anti-violence work and stuff with the community um one of the things that we used to say because we used to get complaints of discrimination all the time and so often when somebody is telling you their experience of discrimination, um, especially when it's the sort of slow, steady discrimination that you experience on an almost day-to-day -day basis, sure. like sort of like microaggressions, it's almost like you can't quite put your finger on it, but you know that it just happened. But in order to explain it to somebody, it's really hard. So we used to just kind of joke and say that discrimination is like a fart. You know, when it's there because you can smell it, but you really can't point to who did it. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's actually a great analogy. Yeah. And that's why it's important to have these conversations and to talk about these words and learn about this stuff because there is something wrong with doing it. And now we're at the time now there's, and there's shows that have so much great queer representation. Absolutely. Like, you don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. Well, okay. So, but. Kind of coming off this, I want to kind of flip the script a little bit. I'm interested. Okay. So, straight baiting. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, specifically L Word. Because the oh. L Word's coming back, right? It's coming back. L Word's coming back. But in its initial incarnation, there was the season where they introduced the character of Carmen. Yeah, okay. Right? Super uh, smoky season openers there but they were all straight baiting. Do you remember that? I don't remember the, oh, I don't remember like the previews. If that's your so there was like, there was a scene, there were, there were a lot of moments that were really seemed geared toward 
not just a male gaze, but a straight male gaze. Like, let's try to find an audience outside of the queer community that's already watching us. Okay. Right? So there was a scene where uh, I think Carmen and Jenny are starting to get it on, like, over by the toilet. Do you remember in the bathroom? that that happened. Carmen and Jenny. Yes. Yeah. Random mix. Right? Totally random mix. I totally forgot that happened. But I, I feel like a lot of the initial or maybe it was was it Carmen and Jenny it might have been Carmen and Shane at that point but she did get it in with Jenny yeah, roommate she, yeah. yeah sorry okay yeah no but there was a lot of straight baiting in yeah. that in that season specifically of the L word but there I mean I felt like there was in other seasons as well where you're putting these particularly beautiful uh women together just for the sake of getting a straight audience. Do you think yeah. that's a thing too? I mean, just wondering. Mm, I, I, it's similar. It's similar. I don't know if this is the same in the way of like, well, of course it's not the same, but yeah, it does, but it's a, it's a marketing ploy. Yeah, you're right. Well, it, is, the, it is. Yeah. I remember when it and, happened, just being super irritated about it because having conversations with friends about the fact that like, we finally have a show and you're doing this shit to it that none of us really care about seeing uh-huh. to appeal to a straight audience. Uh-huh. And it felt really insulting and really demeaning in the sense of we finally have something and you're taking it away from us yeah. by straight baiting these people. That's that's actually right. Thank God, though, they didn't follow through with dude relationship. Like that it well, Carmen wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. With, with Henry. I <laughs> felt bad for how they portrayed it. I loved it. <laughs> She even said it's like the most boring thing ever for Henry. But yeah, so, um, yeah, interesting. I never thought of that. That's really, really, and it's just as bad. But yes. I mean, it's definitely different and its effects are different. Sure, but it's it's a marketing But once again, it has an effect on the queer people Mm -hmm. in the equation as opposed to straight people in the equation. Because straight people aren't going to lose out if. Yeah, interesting, smart. I never thought of that. But yeah, you're right. Well, thanks. I like being right. You're welcome. What about queer baiting in real life? What do you think about that? What do you, I don't know. What, you what don't know what I'm talking about? No. You know, specifically straight girls who like to go out to the bar and make oh, out yes. with other girls oh, yes, just yes. so the guys will like think they're hot. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's the same because they're not baiting queers. They're baiting, that's like straight male and baiting. <laughs> but, but it I can't. It's straight baiting again. It's straight yeah. baiting. But, but it's using queer identity to do it. Yes. But I have seen girls who want the actual attention from lesbians who are not gay interact with girls in a certain way or interact with the lesbian in a certain way to, like, get the attention. I don't know what that is. But it's annoying, too. So don't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So I don't know. I feel like we're getting off topic with queer baiting. But I think it's really interesting you brought those um, other uh, – potential definitions because it's yeah, a good conversation. not really the same, but, but I, it, I feel like it's sort of in the same vein. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Um, yeah. So interesting. Are you going to watch any of these shows I talked about to see? Supergirl? Yeah, probably not. Huh? No, I've, I've never been into the supers yeah. at all. I have watched about a season and ha- I'm, I'm not into the, um, like all the like fighty stuff, the alien, like fighting, like I just fast forward through all that. Because <laughs> I was trying to, like, figure out what was going on and see if this was a thing. But um, it's not really my thing. But I still might. I don't know. It's okay. It's not a bad show. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely that, like, those looming looks and those, like, 
they, I don't know. They really do push it on that show. It's kind of, it's almost, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. And definitely look up the, um, look up the hashtags because people are so passionate about it. And I mean, that's actually where, what are some of the hashtags? Um, super hashtag, Supercorp hashtag, Supercorp Endgame. Um, any, any, like, um, there, so they'll put two names together and like, it'll have like kind of their relationship name. Um, I'm sure you've heard of that before. Nope. Okay. Um, are you talking about like the celebrity name? Mashup? Yes, but like I'm saying in hashtags. So like, it's kind of oh, what okay. you want to look up and you can see. I mean, I'm not that out of touch with the Utes. <laughs> You're pretty out of touch with the Utes. <laughs> I'm um, comfortable with that. I know. I'm totally kidding with you. You're, I'm not that in touch with the youths either. Trust. But yeah, so you could look those up. And again, there's, I mean, fan fiction is huge too. Uh, except for the Zoe Passmore, Zoe, Zoe Passmore fan fiction that I read the other night. I haven't really gotten into any of it. Um, it's just not, I don't know, but I do know that like a couple, what wasn't it? 50 shades of gray. Yeah. That was fan fiction. Yeah. I never really quite understood how that was fan fiction of twilight. I feel like it probably should have stayed fan fiction. Well, it seemed like a completely separate story. Um, we did get those books on CD. I did get the Fifty Shades of Grey book on CD. I have never read anything as ridiculous in my life. And listen, I have read some ridiculous stuff. I just read one of the cringiest books that I've ever read. And it, I mean, the Fifty Shades of Grey was so cringy that, like, I, I can't even explain it. But if you really want to have fun with it, read the Amazon reviews for Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. That's the best thing that came out of that that whole Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Because it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Queer baiting. Don't do it. It's dumb. Seriously, just get, put queer people, put them together. Who cares if it's a canon? Most of that stuff was written how long ago? Of course it's not going to be. And you know, here's the thing that always drives me nuts about this idea that like, oh, we won't have an audience for it. We won't have an audience for it. It's like, you create your fucking audience. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. You have that power. You actually have that power as this. Hollywood entity to create a wave and a change of movement just by fucking putting shit out there. Yes. And actually I would, I would, I would go as far as to say that there are, there is more, more support for queer relationships in, in these shows than anything. I mean, from what I looked and I looked up a lot of the hashtags, a lot of like the, there's more support for queer relationships than the straight relationships that you end up going with. Here's the deal. Look at how successful the queer relationship was on Grey's Anatomy. I mean, Arizona and Kelly, when they broke up and even straight people, people were very upset about it. Like it had, I feel like it had more support almost like people like to see it's just something, I don't know. Like it's so silly that we're having this conversation, but it's still happening. They're still, still afraid happening. to like have queer characters. And, and you know, I mean, that's the thing. I think that i never watched Grey's Anatomy, but I know that that relationship, seeing healthy queer relationships depicted on screen. They weren't exactly healthy, but yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> they were right. I mean, they were normal. There was some cheating. There was child uh, custody issues, but that's a normal, I mean, it's a relationship. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not completely healthy. <laughs> But seeing a normal relationship, mm -hmm. a normal queer relationship on screen, a, a relationship that's not made a big deal about is what I mean by it, normal. It, exactly. That's <clears throat> what they did with Grace. That yeah. helps normalize it in our society. It helps that queer kid 
in Nevada be able to come out and not have to worry about yes. acceptance, you know, at the, at the high school. Am I confusing your news stories? No, that was Oakland, California. That you young... know, you confused all my news stories, but Sorry. it's fine. But you're right. But you know what I'm saying? It's... Like that, that young girl was afraid to come out to her parents. And so her Dean blackmailed her. If our relationships are normalized to the point of straight relationships, there is no fear of coming out to your I parents. Know. It's just, I'm gay. Here's my girlfriend. Yes. Here's my girlfriend. Here's my boyfriend. Here's, you know, where's my partner? Whatever. Here's it's my not a significant thing. Other. We don't have to talk about it. Exactly. And that's, that's the sad thing. Cause there are shows that are like, like the show euphoria we've talked about a little bit. Yeah. They're like, I love the fact, I love the fact that the main character, um, one of the main characters is uh, a trans woman. And it's just not even, it's not a thing. Like she's just, and, and it's, it's, it's not about her being trans and the show about her being a human. human being. And, you know, and there's, uh, uh, you know, a relationship between her and, um, one of the other characters and she's never, that's not part of the equation. Right. It's like, and, I think, I think our individual stories are important, right? Mm -hmm. A trans story about being trans is important. Absolutely. A lesbian story about being a lesbian is important. All of those things, but it's also important for us to just be able to be fucking people and not have our entire characters be portrayed as completely focused on this thing about us. Yeah. And like have these other issues like, Oh, I got a fucking speeding ticket today. My nail broke, got into a car accident. I'm sick. All the normal things that, you know, we all, that we <laughs> as human beings deal with. Yes. Because it's, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's sad when that's like the whole arc. And yeah. I don't know why shows think that they have to do that. I mean, Oh, sorry. Did you see the, you watch Sense8? 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 You never watched Sense8 on Netflix? Like, sen like, you're my, Sense8? Like, Sense8? Like, Karate Sense8? Eight. Oh, Eight. oh, okay. No. no. Oh my God. Okay. We're going to watch that as soon as we're done recording today. Okay. We're going to watch some of it because it's seriously one of the best shows that was Is ever it? created on the history of the planet. A trans woman produced it, directed it, and it's so fucking beautiful and brilliant okay. with all the different characters there are trans characters and queer characters and all these different yes. kinds of characters but in real life one of them just came out as gay and i was just gonna say mm. that but i you haven't seen it so now you're gonna have to watch it well like another, and there's no queer baiting i love that another show i watch atypical i love atypical. and she came out as queer in real life like i just i don't know it's so cool that just did like, she yeah she i did. didn't know that that's she awesome. did yeah she's adorable so that's, um, I don't know where anyone would say it. Yeah, but, I don't either. Uh, it just, you know, I don't know. This is, listen up, Hollywood, because I'm pretty sure all the producers. Listen and up, Hollywood. I'm pretty sure they're listening to us. Listen up. Stop, stop baiting us queers. It, it just put it together. At this point, I think that Supergirl would actually be so much, so much, so well received if it was, uh, you know, Super Corp Endgame. Yeah, and queer baiting is so 2000. Like, just calm it down. It's right. 2019 now. Yes. Get it together. All right. Well, that was a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Let's do our crushes. Our crushes, my favorite part. I have crushes. Crushes. <laughs> so weird. I don't understand the context. Like, are they scary crushes? I was being a little bit like Gollum. What's Gollum? Crushes. You've never seen Lord of the Rings? Oh, God, no. Oh, my God. Woman. No, absolutely not. I, I don't even know who you are anymore. I, I, wait, why, what would make you think that I would see Lord of the Rings? 
absolutely nothing other than the beautiful people in it. That that is that, that thing that made that voice like yours beautiful. The golem is not beautiful. Okay, um, I'll he's Google cute. it. He's cute. He's adorable and cute. Yeah. But that's not my crush this week. Okay. Who's your crush this my week? My crush this week is Angela Bassett. Ooh, good one. I have been re-watching some old American Horror Stories for fun, and she appears in several of the seasons, and she is a badass, beautiful woman. Oh, and yeah. I just absolutely adore her. She would be my ultimate supreme. Ultimate supreme? My ultimate supreme. Excellent. That's an interesting way to put it. Um, she... Well, I'm talking about American Horror Story oh, Supremes. Okay, yes. See, I haven't really watched that. I mean, I've watched some of them. I know, I know, I know. I'm very far behind. I watched the hotel one, and I watched the first season, and then I watched about half of Coven. I just rewatched the first season. Coven is my favorite. Yeah, and I watched oh, the second season with the um, freaks. That was no, 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 no. The uh, hospital. Oh, asylum. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was so creepy. Yes, yes. Um, but so you've watched Coven though, so you know mm-hmm. Angela Bassett. Yes. Oh yeah, and I mean, from what's all got to do with it. One of the best movies of all time, and she's so badass. It's Absolutely. Awesome. So hot in that movie. I mean, she is 61 years old, and she is just that fucking tough yeah. and badass. Like, it's amazing. And I'm in love with you. Thanks, Angela. I like it. All right, my crush this week, um, Bridget Lundy-Payne. When I was talking a little bit earlier about Atypical, she is the character that came out in real life. Oh, queer. his sister? Yes, and I just think that's awesome, and I love to see that. And um, Congratulations, Bridget. Yes, and she's adorable, and it's really cute. She was my crush this week. And so great. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much for listening this week. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. This was a fun episode. It was fun. Yeah. We aren't queerbaiting you when we say that either. We're no, not queerbaiting you at all. Not eating anything. <laughs> Don't ship us, because she's in a relationship. <laughs> So you can't ship us. I don't even well, know you that actually means. could and write fan fiction. It might be interesting. Um, okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, All right. Well, check us out on our socials. Yes. Uh, ship us on our socials. Support us on our socials. Right? Support us on our socials. <laughs> So I used it right. You did. You did. Ship us on our well, socials no, at Queerdos on Facebook. That's not how you use it, but okay. At Queerdos on Facebook and Queer Podcast uh, on, on Instagram. Instagram. And leave us a message. Leave us a voicemail. You can leave us a 30-second voicemail if you go into your show notes. At the bottom, you'll see a little link, and you can send us in a voice message. Excellent. All right. That would be so much fun for us to use. Right. Next week, we are going to be doing Trans Day of Remembrance. Until then, we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Subscribe, rate, and and review. review. Bye. Bye.